Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Pinto Beans and Cake podcast. I am your host, Mika Mache, and I'll be bringing you these monthly podcasts highlighting fellow artists, entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women alike. So we're going to get started today. I have the pleasure of introducing to some and presenting to others, Miss Attorney Erica Hughes, who is currently running for Harris County's Criminal Court Number 3 Judge. I've actually known Erica all my life because we family. <laughs> and that's what makes this episode extra special, guys. Hi, Erica. Thanks for being here. Hey, Mika. How are you doing today? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I'm glad that uh, you agreed to do this for me, so I appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to get started. Um... Tell us a little bit, I guess, about your background, you know, your educational background and your professional positions up to this point. Okay, I first want to say thank you for the opportunity, too, and thinking of me, even though we're family, and giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. So a little bit about me. Um, I graduated from Prairie View A&M University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering, and then afterwards got a full academic scholarship at Thurgood Marshall School of Law um, in Houston, Texas, and I graduated from there with, of course, a Juris Doctorate degree. After law school, um, I went to work for State Farm Claims Litigation Center, and basically what that is, you do insurance defense. Um, Everybody that has auto insurance Mm -hmm. has a legal team with their insurance company. They just don't know. That's what you're paying for, too, in your monthly premium. If you ever got in an accident or wreck, those attorneys represent you. So that was my first uh, job. And so after... uh, that job, I got the opportunity to be a fee attorney for a title company doing closings on property here in Harris County. The real estate market burst in 08, 09, mm-hmm. um, and kind of went bad. Right. Luckily for me, when you have uh, your fee attorney office that's paid for by the title company, you get to practice law. And so during that time, uh, to supplement income and just to get some knowledge, I started practicing criminal defense and personal injury because that's what I'd learned in state form is personal injury. Um, And so once the real estate market busted, I just kind of continued my own practice as um, a sole proprietor and having my own law firm doing criminal defense and doing personal injury. And then, um, of course, I got the opportunity to serve in the military as a JAG officer and go in as an officer as a first lieutenant. So I went to military law school uh, Mm -hmm. because the military is under a different code or penal code of justice than, than we operate in here. And so I did that, went to law school, and then became a commissioned officer. And now, um, after I got off active duty, because when you go to the military law school, you're on active duty. Okay. So then mm-hmm. I work for JAG. Um, I also have had the job of being the pre-law coordinator at Prairie View. And what that was, I taught in the political science department, but I also was over the program where UT funded to get more minorities into their law school. Awesome. And then after that... I um, took a job at San Jacinto College, which is here in Houston. Um, Ironically, the pay is the same at San Jacinto and Prairie View, and just as far as distance-wise and having my own practice, so I just started teaching at San Jack. Um, Been doing that for eight years now, since 2010. So those are my current jobs. I have uh, my law practice, teach at San Jack, and then um, JAG as uh, National Guard, so one weekend a month. Awesome. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. All right. So as an attorney, what has been the case that has stuck out the most to you? And so as an attorney, cases that uh, stick out to me uh, the most from a criminal standpoint, 
or individuals that I represent with mental illness. Um, and of course, I have an affinity for those individuals in the military. I do trial defense services. People come back from serving overseas. They suffer from mental illnesses. Um, and it's PTSD not, and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's not treated properly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those individuals get caught up in the criminal justice system and nobody offers them treatment for those mental issues and they kind of continue to penalize them and they stay in the criminal justice system. And so I had the opportunity to represent an individual who was a previous military, a vet, Um, and had got into some legal trouble here in uh, Houston, had been in jail um, and was on probation. And seemingly uh, for about, he served about 10 years and then he got out on probation and had about 10 years. Got to the end of his probation um, and again, he suffered from a mental illness and he was on probation. Uh, Houston traffic can be terrible, right? Mm, Oh yeah. So uh, this individual was uh, in traffic and exited uh, behind another person and the individual stopped her car in front of him and got out Mm -hmm. um, and started banging on his hood. Mm -hmm. And so in response to that, he got out of the car and, you know, they got into a, not a fight, but just words, uh, arguing. Somebody Mm -hmm. called the police. He was a black male um, and he was a minority and she was not. The police came because he was on probation um, and because he had a previous record. He was arrested and he was put in jail. Um, He couldn't afford bail. Uh, Mm -hmm. at that time and so you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty here unfortunately right he sat in jail um, until his trial date so he reached out and um, I actually represented him pro bono Um, and so one because he was a military vet and then two he got charged with terroristic threat um, because they got into an altercation now had that been you and I arguing back and forth we wouldn't if the police would they charged him with a terroristic threat Mm -hmm. terroristic threat and so um he sat in jail for six months before I represented him. Oh, my gosh. Um, because he could not afford bail. And bail is usually 10% of yeah. whatever you're charged with. So his bail was $500. And this gentleman really was a hard worker. He cleaned cars at Enterprise. He sacked uh, groceries at Kroger. And then he cleaned up for an office building um, at night mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. he had just gotten a new car. Um, and he was doing well for himself. And so at that time when he was sitting in jail, of course, he lost all of those things. He lost his apartment. He lost his uh, job, those three jobs. And then his car got repossessed as well. And then, of course, he couldn't afford bail. He couldn't afford an attorney. So that is, I would say, um, one of my one of my favorite cases. And I say favorite because I still keep up in touch with him. We got him out. We got him off. Um, he doesn't work those jobs, but he has gotten another job, and he has tried to reestablish himself in society, and he's doing well for himself. So we still keep in touch. That's awesome. We need more of that. I, I commend you for that, stick, uh, stepping up to help that gentleman. Um, so why do you want to be a judge in Harris County? So I want to be a judge in Harris County. Harris County is the third largest county in the United States and growing, uh, probably soon to be the second. But in Harris County, there are 16 county criminal court at law. So I'm running for court number three, as you guys heard. Out of, that, out of those benches, there has never been a black woman elected to the seat. Um, out of those benches, two are black males that serve on the bench. The rest are um, Anglo, uh, females and males, mm-hmm. of course, that serve in courts one through 13. Um, when you go to Harris County Jail, 90% of the population is minority. And when I say minority, it's black and brown. Uh, these judges have been in uh, those positions for two decades, for 20 years. And so we have a problem with mass incarceration and um, having a money 
system, basically the jail or whoever contracts with them makes money. Uh-huh. And then uh, there is a lack of respect and dignity and compassion towards attorneys and defendants. They treat um, attorneys and individuals charged with crimes kind of like the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't really have a fear of losing their position. And so they do treat people with a, with a lack of respect. So kind of, I guess, at the end of the day, I'm fed up with everything that goes on from the jail system, uh, the bail reform, mm-hmm. the treatment of attorneys, and the treatment of defendants. But the straw that kind of broke the camel's back is those 14 judges uh, filed the lawsuit using county tax dollars to sue um, against the cash bail system. And so mm-hmm. Harris County operates under cash bail, mm-hmm. meaning you need to pay bail if you're going to get out of jail. What that does for people who are poor or in poverty is make them stay in jail like the client I mentioned until they can afford it. Okay. So for people that work, $400, $500 doesn't seem like much. But if you're living from paycheck to paycheck, $400 or $500 is going to have your lights or you're not going to have food. Something's going to get turned off. So these judges have no sympathy towards those individuals. So the Fifth Circuit, which is what Texas is a part of the Fifth Circuit, the Court of Appeals ruled it's unconstitutional to have a cash bail system. Uh, you should let people out if they're not a threat to society um, and depending on the crime that they committed. Mm-hmm. I represent individuals in county court for misdemeanor offenses, meaning they're low-level offenses, not felonies, okay, not serious crimes. Right. Um, and so... I mean, there are some serious ones, don't get me wrong. Right. Like DWI, first-time offender, comes to my court. Yes. But for the most part, they're not as serious as they try to make them. They keep them in jail. And you already have a ruling coming down that it's unconstitutional for you to charge people bail if they can't afford it, and you keep them in jail. Um, so these individuals have spent over $10 million the last two years mm-hmm. fighting that decision from the Fifth Circuit. Um, and just trying to appeal it to make sure that the cash bail system stays in place. So that was that would be the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay, okay. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. I just learned a lot in about 30 seconds right there. <laughs> so what would you say, and you may have already answered this, but what would you say would be your platform? What's been your platform during your campaign? So my platform has been criminal justice yeah. reform. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care who you are, uh, you've been affected if it's by a family member or friend that has been in the criminal justice system. We have a problem here in our criminal justice system. Justice is supposed to be blind. Unfortunately, it is not. I just told you the disparity of minorities in the jail system. Um, Is that because minorities have a propensity to do crime? I think not. They make up a smaller population um, from the census, if you you look at the numbers, Mm -hmm. but they represent the majority in the jail. And so something's wrong there. And so we need to change the criminal justice system. And I talked to you about uh, a little bit with the uh, bail reform, meaning eliminate the cash bail system. We have what we call personal recognizance bonds. Mm -hmm. You can't afford bonds. I mean, bonds you get out uh, on a personal recognizance bond, meaning you have to come report to the to the judge um, a few times a month before your trial because you're not you don't have uh, money that would make you come back. To Is that kind of like the honesty system or something? Yes, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also um, mass incarceration is an issue. And again, I told you this court is for misdemeanor crimes. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when an individual, if they did a theft by check uh, or petty crime, 
they should be or have the opportunity to do community service in the community where they committed the crime um, and not get an offense on their record. Because once they get, my court handles possession of marijuana too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once they get that on their record, then you're not able to get financial aid. You're not able to get a first time home buyer Mm -hmm. incentives. You're not able to get a job with the conviction, nor are you able to even go to the military if you wanted to. So my goal is to try to rehabilitate the person back into society. Uh, we've been doing it one way all this time. Like I said, the judges have been on bench the bench for two decades. It's time to try something different. I think these things will work. They have worked in other areas like Seattle, okay. um, in Dallas County. These okay. judges have put in place the versionary programs. And what that is, is what I just said. You get the opportunity to do community service where you did the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the opportunity to... Uh, basically work until the end of if you had a six-month sentence or a year sentence doing community service and then you have the opportunity to have this removed from your record and it's not a conviction against you and so it would make to me you uh i guess more prone to want to do the right thing to want to serve and uh, also to provide programs for individuals so you can't find a job uh, let me give you this list of individuals who are hiring and let's partner with them from my courtroom uh, to give you a job if you don't have one mm-hmm. or if you lack a skill mm-hmm. like a high school diploma because mm-hmm. a lot of folks that I see are 18, 19, 20 right. or if you lack some type of trade, let's try to get you a trade okay. because you're less likely to commit a crime if you have some type of income, if you have uh, some type of housing or something to live for, yeah. ideally. That's awesome. Okay, that's good. That's good. So um, if you were to be elected, what would be, there's a lot of things to tackle, but what would be the first item on your agenda that you would kind of focus on? The bail system. Um, Basically, there, like I said, a lot of individuals who are in jail and you are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty for uh, criminal offenses. And so a lot of people who can't afford bail, they're not a threat to society. Mm -hmm. Um, They are losing a lot while sitting in jail, like I told you. Jobs, uh, income. Some people are losing custody of their children while Mm -hmm. they're in jail because they can't afford the bond. So to look back um, at what's going on with my docket, who's in jail, who's on there, why are they still in jail, and to, again, eliminate the lawsuit that's cost taxpayers over $10 million and is still being fought right now today. So if I win on November 6th, the uh, people who bought the lawsuit as the plaintiffs, they won't have standing anymore because they're no longer a judge. So the lawsuit will be dismissed. So I need to go back and look at those individuals who still can't afford bail, who are still in jail. So that's my first tackle. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, so what do you perceive is the greatest obstacle to justice overall? I think justice overall, people miss there are three parts to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, policemen working together uh, with the community. And so here in Harris County, our judicial system tends to punish people on the front end versus the back end. And what I mean by that is you have to pay your bail. You need to sit in jail before you've even been convicted of anything. You're already a preconceived notion that you've done it. Um, I think the police department needs to work with the judicial system as well as the district attorney because, again, the police are the individuals who stop or pull over people that come come to misdemeanor court or who arrive on the scene at complaints like my guy who got into an argument in traffic in Houston. Right. But he goes and the police sees his record. He automatically arrests him. Then the district attorney determines if they're going to press charges and bring the case to my court. Mm -hmm. The district attorney continued to bring the charge. 
Um, so all three components have to work together. The, ju- the, the excuse me, the mm-hmm. judicial system, uh-huh. the district attorney's office, and the police. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that will make criminal justice reform come together. Here in Harris County, we got elected in 2016 a district attorney by the name of Kim Ogg, if you've heard of her, mm-hmm. and then Adrian Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have already been working together on some of these diversionary programs. Um, one example is if you have less than four ounces of weed and you're caught with it, uh, they don't give you a conviction. They don't even bring it to our court as a case. They work with you. You go through a drug program. You do community service. If you complete the program, you don't get charged with the uh, possession of marijuana. And so those types of initiatives and working together to create programs like that before you ever even get a charge, before it's ever even brought to our court. That's what's needed to reform the system is everybody working together. And I think people miss that component. The judges want to do it at their level on their own. Mm -hmm. The police want to do it at their level on their own. Mm -hmm. The district attorney wants to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. We all three have to come together. And the opportunity is definitely there. The district attorney, like I said, is Kim Ogg. She's a Democrat. I'm running on the Democratic ticket. The current um, police chief is a Democrat, right? He's, He's on the ticket, too. So this is the opportunity in Harris County to make things right and to be an example for the rest of the country to see that we're the third largest city, but we are doing it right. And so come look at this model. This is how you can change your city, your state. Mm-hmm. That's awesome because uh, Houston being the third largest, largest city in the you know country, it's high profile. So a lot of country, a lot of cities and the all other states are looking at Houston. So that is, that is definitely important to set. Um, so you talked earlier about the minority incarceration and the high rates. And um, can, can you add anything to what you've already said about what you believe that, you know, in addition to what you've already said, that causes the high rates of minority incarceration? Um, I think it's uh, a lack of knowing, not knowing the community. So if Junior uh, lives in this area of Houston and it's known to be a high crime area or a drug trafficking area and uh, the police patrols that area. If he has spent time with Junior um, in the community, going to the high school or going to the football league, little league, or whatever Junior's involved in or creating a program for him to be involved in, Mm -hmm. he knows that if he pulls over Junior for driving uh, speeding, he knows Junior when he approaches the car, right? So he is not afraid of Junior. He doesn't automatically think Junior is the enemy and something's definitely going on. He knows him personally. He has that relationship. And so in his mind, he gives him a benefit of a doubt, a second chance or a second look, Mm -hmm. ideally, instead of automatically having a preconceived notion of who Junior may be because he doesn't even know him or he doesn't know his family that lives up the street that he's Mm -hmm. met from working in the community. So I think that's the problem is you got to build community relationships. A lot of times, too, these judges sit on the bench, they never come down or go in the community. If you looked at my campaign, I made it a point to go meet people where they are and be in the community. Yeah, you you are a judge, you should remain impartial, but you have to know people and know these people, know the family that they come from. Oh yeah, I believe it's all about relationship, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think, uh, relationships are big. And then when you think about the jail system, uh, we spend more money here in Texas uh, keeping someone in jail instead of paying for education mm-hmm. or a trade for them to learn. Wow. And so I think it's a money system that people who are involved with contracts at jail, if you cook the food, you make money as a contractor. If you wash the clothes, if you make the clothes, if you make the bedding or laundry, you it's a, it's a money system. And so we want to keep it full or highly populated. And so someone has to, at the legislative level too, take a look at that and say, 
how can we better fund education in Texas instead of funding uh, a jail system that's keeping individuals locked up? Yeah, that's that's great. It's great to hear. Um, so what are your top three favorite things about the city of Houston? So my top three favorite things about the city of Houston, I would definitely say um, I think Houston's a big melting pot. Mm-hmm. I can be in one place and see so many different cultures, so many different races, um, no matter where I go. And everybody is getting along well. Um, and it is a pleasant time. And so I like that about pretty much anywhere, restaurants, hotels, uh, anywhere you go, the mall, you're, you're going to see individuals that, that are from different cultures. And I'm always meeting somebody from, from different places and that have a different background mm-hmm. that you can learn from. So I like that. And then, too, I'll have to say the sports teams, uh, like Houston sports mm-hmm. uh, teams, they have some good teams that always makes it fun to be here, right? You have the Rockets, like right now the Astros. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's good to watch. Yeah, 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 I'm a Cowboys fan. Don't hold that against me. But I do like the Texans. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, apples and oranges. You can't really compare mm-hmm. the Cowboys and the Texans, mm-hmm. but I do like the Texans. And so, um, and then even Houston Dynamo soccer. So yes. the sports is, is for sure um, makes me uh, enjoy Houston. And then I don't know if people know, but Houston kind of has their own uh, music scene. And so Houston has yes. their own kind of music. Uh, and that's from singing. Yeah, you probably know a lot of famous people, yeah. singers, rappers from Houston. And so that's another thing that I like about Houston. I like the uh, music scene for sure. So that's this, that's a good look. Houston is definitely a great place to live. If anyone's out there is listening and thinking about it, Houston is on your list to come move to and, you know, look into it a little deeper because it's a great city. Can I add the cost of living too? It was, to piggyback on what she said, the cost of living here for what you get um, and to be in a big city to pay the amount that you, you pay to live is good too. Yeah, and um, if you like land, you can get a nice size house with a nice amount of land for a nice price compared to other other uh, cities in the country too. So that's that's great. I'm off of Houston and I've been here for a long time, so I already know. Uh, so Erica, what has been your greatest accomplishment in not only your legal career, but also in your personal life? So the greatest accomplishment, uh, and people maybe not may not think of this, the personal, most personal thing I've done is definitely accepting Christ um, as my Savior. And so I am a believer. I am a Christian. And so that has sustained me in everything and every walk of life. Um, I've never been failed uh, yet by that. And so I would say my mom definitely introduced me to that. Mm-hmm. But then me personally getting to know um, Christ along the way as I've grown up. So that's the best thing that I've ever done, the best decision I've ever made. Um, and the second, I'll just add, it's not the question, it's going to preview. That's probably the second. <laughs> PV, that's what's up. You know, yeah. So that was college. I went to preview. I told y'all earlier. And then for my legal career, um, probably this um, passing the bar was really hard. It's a three-day test here in Texas. Texas is one of the only bars that's three days. And then you have to wait uh four months for your results to come back. And so the whole process of kind of shutting your life down, not doing anything and studying and sitting in a room for eight hours for three days in the cold and NRG in a big room um, and then waiting for the results was just a process. That was a tough year for me. And so when I look back over my life at that, I feel like that was something that was really big. But I guess at the end on November 6th, um, I will say that this has probably been the best um, or the thing that I've done uh, from for my legal career. But right now it's passing the bar, and that was in 2006. 
So it's 12 years uh, I've been practicing uh, practicing law. And um, so still today, that, that's it. Wow. And we were very proud of you. And I can speak for the family when you passed your bar. So, uh, yes, the first time, honey, that was awesome. So uh, what inspires you and what are or who are major influences in your life? And so I told you guys I'm a believer. So from a spiritual standpoint, that definitely inspires me. Um, And when I look at nature, I'm not saying like I worship the stars or the moon. Definitely God made those things. But it is a wonder to um, if you ever sat by the ocean or looked at the water or looked at the stars or looked at the sun. So um, nature and uh, from a spiritual aspect, just even birds and flowers. I just like butterflies, things like that um, uh, inspire me. And then for sure, major players are for sure my mother. And my dad was definitely in my life, but I would say my mom was a single mother in the everyday activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she definitely inspired me and my grandmother. Um, They weren't necessarily college educated, but just the wisdom that they possess um, and their knowledge and just knowing about life and and how they um, have also represented themselves as women um, in times where it wasn't easy to be a woman. So they are definitely uh, some people that influenced me. And of course, in the legal field here in Texas, you have Barbara Jordan, right? Um, so, oh, yeah. and she's from Houston too, right? Yes, yes, so yes. she is definitely, um, I look back at some of the things that she accomplished and things that she did as well. Um, and so um, there's a lot of women, of course, that I can name and people, but I, w- I would definitely say that she is one of them from a legal, legal standpoint. I definitely like Barbara Jordan and like some of the things that she's done. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. So voting time is coming up soon. Yes. When four when four day? Oh, that's early voting. So mm-hmm. when is early voting and when is the final voting date? And why should voters support you rather than your opponent? Okay. So early voting for everybody, it starts October second. Uh I'm sorry. <laughs> That's past. October 22nd is in four days. Uh, the polls open at 7 a.m. Early voting lasts until November 2nd. I want to highlight you only get one weekend to vote, um, and that's October 27th and 28th. Generally, the polls are going to be open the first week from 7 to 4.30. Uh, the weekends, you'll see longer hours, uh, 7 to 7. And then that Sunday uh, that you get, the only Sunday is open from 1 to 6 uh, p.m. So, October 22nd to November 22nd. I'm sorry. I am all over the place. (laughs) October 22nd until November 2nd is early voting. So you can early vote. And the benefit of early voting, guys, is you can vote anywhere. You don't have to be at the polling location assigned to you by your address. So if you're at work, if you're just running an errand and you see a polling place, you can pull right in and you can vote. Um, You can go to mytexasvotes.com to find locations uh, nearest you. And uh, you could also go to harrisvotes.com to find locations near your shoe. So you put your address in, and of course, you'll find the, the location near your shoe. E-Day, Election Day. I'm Erica Hughes. That's E2, E Hughes. That's E-Day. I need you to vote. November 6th is a Tuesday. And so uh, elections in Texas in the country are usually on Tuesday. So November the 6th, 2018, the polls are going to be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And just a little... Uh, 
a little reminder. A lot of times it rains on November 6th, uh, election day. So I don't want you to be deterred and you have to vote at your specific location on that day. So try to get it in for early voting. If not, E-Day is the day, November 6th. For sure. All right. So we all heard the dates. E-Day is the day. Y'all vote for Erica Hughes, Mr. Attorney Erica Hughes. I forgot to say why you should vote for me over my opponent. Simply, I am the best candidate. But if you don't want the same regime that you've had the last 20 years, then I am the best candidate for you to vote for, for change, for criminal justice reform, and a judge that wants justice and fairness for all and not just a certain group of people. There's definitely something wrong with our criminal justice system. When we recognize it and identify it, I'm the person who can make the wrong right. So vote for me, Erica Hughes, you can't lose. All right, that's awesome. So you guys got the voting, early voting starts October 22nd through November 2nd, and then the actual voting day is November 6th, Tuesday. So get out there, please, and vote. We need some change to be happening, and you guys are the key for that to happen. So, Erica, I have a fun question for you. Okay. This podcast is called Pinto Beans and Cake. So there's a lot of food and, you know, where that comes from, you know, my my mom and dad, your uncle and aunt. When you said it, I smiled, I didn't realize it, but yeah, I I got it when you first said it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I'm a big foodie. I think a lot of people in our family are. Big big foodie, big movie. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Foodie movies. Foodie movie. All right. So my question, my fun question for you is, if you had to choose to eat (laughs) just one dish every day, for the rest of your life, what would it be? So majority of my life, y'all, <laughs> literally from a kid um, through college and even now, I would say I don't eat it as much now because I'm like really into health and trying to watch my weight. Pizza. Um, and, and nobody probably would, would think that, but I would, as a kid, have called my dad and say, hey, can you order me a pizza and have it sent to the house? He would do it. And I would, that, that was my thing. Thin crust pepperoni. Now I don't eat pork anymore. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I am, uh, I want to put chicken on the pizza um, or just cheese pizza. I'll do. Mm-hmm. But that is something if I wish that I could. The calories, <laughs> the bread, I don't really do it. But right. if I could, Lord, let me have the calories. Pizza <laughs> every day. Pizza is Erica Hughes' guilty indulgence. You heard it here first i don't know if it's first we somebody already probably know that but okay that is that's cool i love pizza too though by the way that's cool so what are you grateful for at this present time i am grateful actually to be on the ballot i recognize it's a good a great opportunity everybody uh doesn't take the leap of faith to go ahead and step out and do it so today, I just, you heard me say four days until early voting. I really am counting down the days and I'm ready for this time to be over. But just to stop for a minute in a moment, I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity to meet so many people along the, uh, along the way. And in this process, I've met a lot of people in Harris County that I never would have met. And just to hear their ideas and their perspective on the criminal justice system, too, has been a benefit. So I like to meet people. I like people. So I would say that's, that's it. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Erica. I have, uh, I like to end my show with a positive quote and a scripture. So I'm going to give the positive quote for today. May the voice of your dreams be louder than the roar of your fears. And the scripture that I want to give, and if you have one too, you're free to, um, to pitch in. But the scripture that I have is, I keep your law in my heart. 
so that I will not sin against you. And that is from Psalms 119 and 11. Did you have anything you wanted to add? If not, that's still fine. Just kind of that keeps me motivated. My mom used to speak it over me as a kid. Just Philippians 4 and 13. You guys have probably heard it. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And I always insert whatever hard obstacle I'm facing. So right now I can finish this uh, election process because Jesus Christ strengthens me to do it. So that's it. Well, thank you so much, Attorney Erica Hughes. We look forward to you uh, residing on that on that judgeship in a couple, what, about six weeks or so, six five, weeks. six weeks, yeah. we'll and see. I hope you come to my investiture and swearing in as a judge. That would be cool to have my family and my Oh, cousin. yeah, we definitely have to celebrate that. That would be awesome. And the election watch night party, November 6th. Mika, you're definitely invited. I won't put it on the podcast, but you definitely will be invited. Awesome, awesome. That's awesome. So this concludes our episode of Pinto Beans and Cake, a meal without the calories. I hope you enjoy the journey we will take on Pinto Beans and Cake.